You know how some people have a really great book idea, but they never seem to do anything about it? Well, I help them do something about it. Welcome to She Has a Book in Her, the podcast that gives you the guidance, tools, and inspiration you need to get serious about publishing your nonfiction book. I'm your host, Vanessa Soto, and I'm a book proposal coach to first-time nonfiction authors. Through inspiring conversations with experts and other authors, find out how to take that nugget of an idea that you just can't seem to get out of your head and turn it into a standout book proposal you'll feel confident pitching to literary agents and editors. Now tune in and let's get that idea of yours out of your head and out into the world. In this episode, I talk with Meredith Arthur. Meredith is the founder of The Beautiful Voyager. It's a community and content space for overthinkers, perfectionists, and people pleasers. And it is a pretty cool place on the interwebs. Uh, Meredith is also the author of the book, Get Out of My Head, Inspiration for Overthinkers in an Anxious World. And um, in this episode, I talk with Meredith all about bringing her book into the world, um, which included a bidding war launching in May of 2020, so right early on in the pandemic, and all the learning that she gained along the way. So listen in for my interview with Meredith Arthur. Okay. Welcome, Meredith Arthur, to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here, and it's so nice to see you as well. And I know that people will be listening to this, but yeah. hopefully you can feel the energy of <laughs> we are excited seeing each to other. see each other. Yes. 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 Yes, it is nice. We're recording this right now in January, whatever month of the pandemic. So I think we're all extra appreciative of a little as close as we can get one-on-one connection these days. You're right. I mean, we're almost rounding the bend on a year here, which is... I know. I, know. Yeah, I mean, I, a year I, ago, if you had told me that, I it just... No, <laughs> we thought it was going to be three weeks. So yeah. it wasn't three weeks. But yes, it has been... A, this is a, a great excuse for us to reconnect. And so I've brought you on today, Meredith, to tell us about a book that that you published this year right in the middle of the pandemic. But just to take a step back, why don't you kind of share with listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe where you are in the world, a little bit about your personal life, where are you quarantining these days, and about your, your beautiful Voyager project. I am happy to, and thank you for asking. Vanessa and I met many, many years ago when I worked at a website called Chow, which was part of CBS. Since then, my journey has gotten extremely varied, and I've divided down many paths in the tech world. And so I, I left big media companies working at Food Network to start working at startups. And I was at four startups over the course of two years. Actually, it was five startups, three <laughs> in one year. 
And it was such a hectic, crazy period of my life. And in the middle of it, I turned 40 and was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which was a complete surprise to me. I I honestly had no idea. I didn't see it coming. I was diagnosed by a neurologist who explained to me that the pain, the physical pain I was having was likely the result of this. And so I started down a completely new journey. I had my career going along and I was still was working at uh, large tech companies. So after the startup craziness, I went to Zillow and then I was building my own site on the side to connect overthinkers with each other. So that was the beautiful Voyager that was mentioned <laughs> and, and that was started in 2015. The overthinking is like, that's the generalized anxiety disorder, how it so shows interest- I think that over... When we think about overthinking, when we think a lot about overthinking, when we think <laughs> so hard about overthinking, which I have, unfortunately, it, it is a spectrum. I always describe myself as an overthinker, even before sort of the startup part of my life hit and the pain hit. And in retrospect, I've had migraines my whole life. I've had many of these symptoms my whole life, just didn't recognize them. I always say that overthinking, what makes it over is these elements of either physical pain or other pain that is inhibiting your life. So inhibiting relationships, inhibiting work. And for me, that is generalized anxiety disorder. I think overthinking is a a broad, vague term that many people relate to. And I certainly related to it even before I was diagnosed with anxiety. So it was a term that resonated with me, but really it simply means you feel like you're stuck in your head more often than most of the people around you. (laughs) Well, and I picked up your book, which we'll talk about a little bit more later, a couple of times since I, since I've got had it, but I picked it up last week in the few days after the insurgency at the Capitol. And I think more than ever, I related to some of the themes that I was hearing. So when we start talking about that, I think hearing you talk about like those physical manifestations is really interesting. I found myself with three days of migraines and that's sort of not common for me, but you know, maybe, maybe related. So that's, that's helpful to hear kind of that. That's, that's it. It's like that showing up of in different places of your life is really what makes it like the over it's like the too much. <laughs> that's <laughs> too right. Much. And it's very objective. I mean, the, the hardest thing for me always about even recognizing that I had anxiety is that I didn't know to look for objective signs that I was suffering. I didn't know that stomach aches and, you know, this, this pain in my throat, that sort of achy pain that just sort of comes and goes, which has a name, by the way, sensation glob globus (laughs) is like at the base of your throat when you have that sort of achy throat. I didn't know that those uh, were objective signs that I was suffering from generalized anxiety disorder. I, and that overthinking was actually impacting my body in that way. But I think you're right, Vanessa, a lot of people suddenly are having these experiences. It's interesting to me because I didn't realize how few people actually could relate in the past until now I'm hearing all these people relate. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like the times are creating, um, unfortunately, probably like more people who can relate to it than ever before. Yeah. Okay, so to circle back a little, you took this experience that you had identified in yourself and evolved that into 
a community. A website. Yeah. So yes, I, I always describe it as a community. It's not easy to build a community online. What I, I basically tried to be a place that overthinkers would land on in Google, Google, because after I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, I could not find anything I related to. Um, I, all I saw was, you know, difficult, depressed imagery of people sort of in dark corners, feeling the pain of the light. And that wasn't how I felt about these topics at all. I felt extremely curious and energized and like I wanted to learn. And so that was the destination I tried to create. The community meets in a few different ways. One is in a Slack channel. So there's a Slack channel with hundreds of people on it that sort of share ideas in writing. So I oversee the medium publication, Invisible Illness, and the community appears there through sharing writing and, and also on the site through personal, through, through their own personal essays. So I'm always trying to connect people with each other because that's what I was looking for. I wanted more information that was, that I could relate to. Right. It sounds like you created the thing that you could have find that's right yourself. that's that's yeah. literally the only reason I created it was I was looking desperately for it and I couldn't find it yeah yeah no I love that okay so then you built this community and I remember hearing about it when you were getting started and you were meeting with people all around the world and you were like wow there's all these other people out there just like me so it sounds like people found it and and they found you and I'm imagining that is how you eventually had the opportunity to turn it into a book, which is why you're okay. here today. Yeah, so, right? so let's dig into that for a second. So I started my career in book publishing. Mm. I was an assistant editor decades ago. I didn't really know that. A time ago. Okay. In New York, I worked at, first I worked for a literary agent and then I worked for Harcourt. Okay. And so I, a lot of my original group of people in my life were book people. Book people are always my home base. And that's what I return to. My oldest friends are all book people. So it's an unusual experience that not everyone can replicate, (laughs) but that was sort of my world. Many of those people left. And obviously I left because I could see the writing on the wall for working in books. It's difficult, you know, it was even difficult back in 2000, which is when I left. But then I left and went and worked for a large independent bookstore in Seattle. I just wanted to get out of New York, moved to Seattle, worked for a bookstore. So I have been on like every you side know, of the book staying world. Staying connected to the book I'm, world. Books yeah. are always like in my yeah. world. And so I moved to San Francisco by selling a book idea, which never came to full fruition, but it did <laughs> give me the money to get down here okay. and, and have you know, that was a challenging experience for me because I thought my idea was good. I sold it to my old boss and the idea was, uh, the name of it was Faulkner is fired, firing stories from the inside. So I've always been very interested in like job transitions, what it's Uh like to lose a job. I was fired from the large independent bookstore because I was so miserable there and I shouldn't (laughs) have been working there, but it was a real like, shock to me as an overachiever who's used to always, you know, overperforming everything. My boss, when I was fired from that bookstore said, this is a favor to you. You are not happy here. You need to change. He was completely right. So I sold this book idea. I moved down, but, but the, it turns out writers often don't have jobs. (laughs) So many of the firing stories were not 
as useful and as like insightful as I would have hoped. So I was like sort of inventing something that didn't really work. And I was living under the cast of this book contract for years. So I, the shadow of it. So I was, you know, extremely anxious about this for, for like five years. Like you needed to deliver something against the contract. Or I was going to have to pay this money back that had been long spent. Got it. And like, what was I going to do now? This was a different era and I was very lucky. Harcourt was being sold to a different company. And at that time there was a big change in like the people who were working there. And I happened to reach out and say, like, I don't think this book is going to happen. And very generously, they let me out of my contract. So probably um, rare, but lucky. Like absolutely (laughs) rare. It was a different era. It was very lucky timing. I mean, yeah, it was, I don't know what I would have done otherwise. I was so, so that happened and it made me think, well, I'm, I am never going to undertake this again. This is like no more (laughs) book writing. (laughs) Not for me. No, no. And then when I started working the way it goes, oh my goodness, I was so traumatized by that. I thought this is never, I'm not going to do this. I'm never going to get myself in this situation again. Mm -hmm. So then I, when I started working on Beautiful Voyager, I felt like I had tapped into something I was so interested in. It really, like my curiosity and interest sort of overwhelmed me. So I had a lunch. I was working at a startup at the time. I remember outdoorsy and I sat with my many, (laughs) one of the many, I sat with a friend, um, an old, old friend who is a fantastic literary agent and just talked to her about beautiful Voyager and talked to her about the kind of book project I might want to do. And I got a little excited. I got that little hint of excitement but very quickly, and this was like in 2016, and very quickly I started overthinking it. So mm-hmm. I started coming up with ideas for this book that were way too big. For example, I wanted to commission researchers from around the world to do different studies in different countries about anxiety. And the bigger it got, the more I felt that old feeling of my bad book experience. Like it was yeah. starting to come back. You were almost like recreating it for yourself by making Absol- it. So absolutely. Complex. Yes. And so I, because I had a wise friend who was very experienced, she's like, why don't you set it aside for a while? So I set it aside for three and a half years and just kept working on the site, kept doing what I do, just sort of plugging along very slowly, but surely. I mean, my relationship with this site and this work is extremely long-term. And so I basically then one day was helping a colleague at Zillow find her way in the book world. She had said she wanted to write a book. I helped her, you know, talk to agents and think about, and, and she ended up selling that book. And the day she sold it, she slacked me and told me she had sold it. And I don't know what it was about that moment, but I was like, I, this is happening. I'm like back. I just got a little shiver when you described that moment. Yeah. Where you're just like, okay, it's on. Yes. This now. Is that how it felt? Yes. Suddenly it was on and it was, and it was very fast from there. I started working on an outline. I started working on my proposal. I started working with my agent and it was sold within four months. 
I have heard that from a few people now, that kind of idea of, I thought about this for a long time. I went through these waves where I was really excited about it and I, and I, and, and I told everyone and you know, then I felt terrible because people didn't, weren't as excited about it as I was. And then I put it away for a while and then it came back and I had one person tell me who came to a workshop I ran a few months ago, she was at the workshop and she's like, I saw your workshop post on Instagram. And I was like, I'm doing it. This is going to happen now. And I feel like that is possibly a common story is the That's idea. Super interesting forever. to me. I haven't heard other people, but that makes sense to me because that it was so clear. It was so clear that like that moment was the time and I didn't overthink it. And I just mm-hmm. kept breaking down the project. I kept breaking it down into first write my bio. Yeah. You're like, do this, do then do this, you know? And I just one kind of one. one by one. That's awesome. So if you hadn't been in that kind of ready stage, probably would have been more of this kind of swirling. It would like, have been what yeah. it was three and a half years earlier. <laughs> right, it would right, have been right. <laughs> like, let's take on the world. Let's boil the ocean. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have had the skill set. I wasn't equipped to do that work. It just was the work again that I wanted to read. It was what so I was interested it, in reading in the world. When it became really clear, okay, now is the time. Did the, the smaller idea come with it? Was it like you could picture it or was it just, I'm ready to tackle this now? Well, this gets interesting because I always had this idea of, you know how there's another book in the back of the book? Mm-hmm. The little yeah. book? Yeah. Okay. Literally Meredith has a teeny little baby book in the back of the actual adorable book. So it's like two- <laughs> Two adorable books in one. <laughs> so what happened initially was I I started tuning into what soothed me in the world. My daughter, Alice, who is now 11, who is like eight at this time, had a book of undersea creatures that looked a little like in Rushmore, the Jacques Cousteau book. I don't know if you're but like Rush in Rushmore, Wes Anderson's yeah. movie, the yeah. main character, Max Fisher, is sort of obsessed with Jacques Cousteau. And there are all these underwater moments. Yeah. And Alice had a book like that. And I found the book and it had Helvetica print and it had just a certain look. And I thought, this is what I'm interested in. I'm mm-hmm. interested in the feeling of this image along with facts that are simplified, that are clear. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like kind um, of this manageable simplification of something otherwise with with and it like ignited my curiosity for example like an octopus will eat its own legs while it's you know just eating eggs like it had like like the facts for that like like, useful new information like that really ignited my curiosity and so that was when the book really started to come together for me because I knew that I wanted that. I knew that I wanted to feel this way. And everything that I did in working on the book was to feel a certain way. Yeah. Like my gut was like, did this call me? Did this call me? Did this? Yeah. Because then that gave you a picture of the book, what it could give to other people. Yes. It was all about the feeling. I was always like, what is the feeling somebody else is going to get? Yeah. What am I interested in? Which was the three and a half years before, which is like the scientific stuff. And then this was more like, what can I create and like give to other people so they can feel a certain way? That's exactly right. One of the 
other, I don't know if you know this book, I'm wondering if it's there even in print anymore. But when I look at the book, I think of like torn paper, I think it's watercolor, but it makes me think of a book that I had when I was a little kid about like Frederick the mouse that was all torn paper. Mm, and it was, I'll look it up. I, I'm, not, I'm kind of thinking it was like a 70s book that is no longer, I love it. but it had a special place in my heart, your book and that one. So somehow they came together in my head, but I, I like how there was a feeling about the book and I'm imagining that other people, whether they can relate to that now or if they're struggling with a book idea or how to wrangle it, like tapping into that, like what is the feeling? I, my, some of my advice to writers is often start to think visually, like start to feel, and it doesn't mean you have to have a visual book the way mine is visual, but start to take yourself out of words and cognition only Mm -hmm. and think about the feeling you are trying to give others. For me, that is a visual element like colors Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I think part of that is because I've worked in video and worked in other yeah. elements for you're, a long you're time. You're a visual I'm, and words person. Yeah. Like you're mm-hmm. both. And, and super interested in how those come together for feelings. But the thing that I usually, the, the language I tend to use is like, what's the experience that you want to create? That's like what I talk about with people who have a book project they're trying to figure out what to do with. And I think it's the same thing. It's like, what's the experience? Maybe you're visual. And that's where you can get into it. And then maybe the experience is also feeling. How do you want to feel as you're reading or at the end? All those kinds of, uh, like you said, get get out of your head, get out of the words and connect the idea to other real life things. (laughs) Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So once you tapped into how you wanted the book to feel. I went super fast for you and you were just zipping through the book proposal. What were you Googling? Like, what is a book? No, proposal? What I, here's what I did. I, I had been capturing moments of inspiration over years in my newsletters. Mm-hmm. And I was really clear about what I was looking for when I'd write a newsletter. Like I'd have a certain moment and I'd really want to dig in and understand it. So basically I went back through all my newsletters and looked for the moments that really popped and started to create an outline. So that was cuz in your book you have little snippets from yes. people from the community. Yes. Is that were those ideas from the community what had originally driven like a newsletter and then Yeah, yes, uh, those would those would either drive a newsletter or be like a punctuating element mm-hmm. um, on top of an idea that I had written about in the newsletter. So like the thing, so like I would, have, for example, write a newsletter, uh-huh. put it in the Slack channel, and then people would, you know, respond. So the, and that interested me. So the, the, like the structure of the book really came from really what you had been seeing in the community and, yes. and, and, and that also ties very much into what you're describing as like, how do I want this book to feel? You're creating a book for, for, for people to read and experience something. And so you want to give them what they're probably going to be most, is going to be most helpful to them. Yes. The things you've heard back from the community originally. Yes, exactly. Versus exactly. maybe like, this is what I, the story I want to tell. I'm also guessing that for kind of any, any kind of nonfiction book that someone's working on, that same idea would be pretty key is get out of what you think you want to say 
and what is the thing that other people need to hear that like other side of your message? I mean, it's a lot less fun. I often, when I'm talking to writers, they don't really <laughs> spend a lot of time listening to their audience or like hearing back because the fun, you know, they're interested in the fun of sort of expressing them what they want to express or, you know, and it does dilute. It could dilute in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot of the people that, that I tend to work with, they don't even classify themselves as a writer. Like they'll come from a different background. They have a particular expertise or like right now I'm working with a woman who's a food blogger. So she has this whole, she has a whole community that's like the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, she's already, I'm sure. There's a different angle, right? But I think even if you already are in that mindset, just staying in it, like stay in that mindset. Why is a a book isn't any different than how you would interact with your, your blog community. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not going to suddenly switch gears and just like tell them stuff, like give them, give them the things that they're showing you. They're, they're yearning for more of and help them kind of along that journey. So that's, sounds like that's the path that you kind of naturally found yourself on. So four months, you put together your ideas. And then was this with your friend who you already knew who was an agent was who you were going to share it with. So you kind of already had, she worked on it with me. I mean, she had, had been like intrinsically connected. Oh, that's great. From the get go. She's incredible. She line edited and worked on this thing. Absolutely. With me. And then then it was time to really start thinking about the design, which was super important to me. And so again, I felt like I broke, I definitely broke some molds there, which is I ended up finding my own designer and my own illustrator to work on the book, which, which many people would say, it's almost like you're a book packager. Now, thank goodness. And we didn't know how this was going to go, but thank goodness, the publisher we ended up landing on yeah. liked our proposal, which we had designed. We had, had designed the proposal to give that feeling. With the, with the designer. Yes. And the illustrator. So Leah is an amazing artist. Oh, not just Leah. the, oh, the illustrator. And you found the, like the literal well, designer. Leah is an the, artist. Okay. Yeah, Leah is an artist. She is not a graphic designer. Now this is Leah Rosenberg. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. I just make sure she's I got incredible. Leah Rosenberg is incredible. And she, so she is an artist who has worked on, many in many mediums, but her color is her, you know, organizing principle of her work. And so we knew that if Leah created the art, we still would need a designer to put that art together. Now, in many places, you would just hand off that art to your publisher. And then they kind of put it all together. Yeah. And I think that's interesting that you did it differently instinctually because I knew that it would be a collaboration. I knew I had a vision. I had to spend a lot of time with our designer, Sasha talking about, and Sasha, by the way, was the publisher of a magazine called meat paper back in the day. I don't know if you ever remember. It was a long time ago. It was like sort of in the chow days, but she was, she did a bunch of art and design for this like cult paper, this cult magazine that people loved called meat paper. So, so Sasha and I spent a lot of time sort of digging in even before Leah came on board, like what, what feelings are we trying to invoke? What is this? And especially with the small book, the small book, 
was always sort of this guiding principle. A little baby book in the back. A little of the baby, book. Yeah, yeah, which we always described as a vitamin or medicine that you could take on the go in your back pocket. Yeah, it's like a little tiny book that has kind of like the core things that will help you in the moment. Is how I interpret it of experiencing something. It's like you can keep it in your purse or backpack. That's or right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So then once Leah was on board, once Sasha was on board, we designed the proposal. We didn't know how it was all going to go down with this desire to have a designer. And, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. We sent out the proposal and four publishers bid on it, which was amazing to me. I mean, I was just overwhelmed with like the response. Yeah. And you just don't know. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. And they had very different visions of how these books would come together. What is the second book? Like, what is this relationship? And so part of it was meeting people and talking about how they imagined that all happening and what kinds of things were important to them. I want to hear more about this part. Yeah, because I think you came in with such a specific vision. And I know even if you don't have a visual vision for your book, these are the conversations that are like, is, am I going to be able to maintain my my vision <laughs> and finding I had to right. I, I I had to learn a lot in that time. Even though I'd worked in book publishing, I had to learn a lot. And thank goodness again, some of my closest friends work in the industry so that I could say to them, what areas should I be most concerned? I knew areas that I, for example, I didn't want somebody that would put anxiety across the top of the book. Like that would be all wrong. It would be triggering and it'd be stressful. And one of the publishers wanted the the, the title to have anxiety in it. And so I, I automatically knew like, Ugh, I don't like that fit. Yeah. But there were other things that were super important that I didn't quite realize until I had talked to other people. For like example, until they started coming up. Like for example, start- when, when was it going to be published? And one of the publishers wanted it to come out in a year from now. So 2022. Okay. So when was it that you were like talking to editors was how long ago was it? Like how long did it take to go from those initial conversations till? It was 2018. Okay. And right now it's like January, 2021. So there was one publisher that didn't even want to publish. It would have been years. I mean, it been years. <laughs> and, and we were super aware about the election. Yeah. So a big thing for me was like, is this before the election or after the election? Mm -hmm. And I talked a lot to, you know, the publisher I ended up going with had the shortest timeline. It was like, this is like coming out the fastest. Was there a reason for that? Like, was that publisher more excited about the book or was aligned with your vision of getting it out before the election or were there reasons or just like, we're ready to go on it? I don't have a strong sense of why people propose different times. Mm. Yeah. I didn't have insight into that. I just know that they, their, their sort of offer as they had different timelines. brought their offers in, they all, yeah. they each had different things. Yeah. 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 And so you found one that was like, you weren't going to have to wait forever. Uh, <laughs> or but I it, wanted it before the election. I knew I yeah. wanted it before the election. And, and obviously this is all before COVID and all that. So I, I had yeah. no thought about that major element that was going to be idea. Play, but, yeah. Which by the way, I think, what was your day that you launched? Like April 1st, like, or it something? It was March. It was like March 18th or something. Oh I mean, it really like was the like the day the lockdown started. Yeah. 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 
So how, like, just since we're talking about that, how, how, what, how did all that go down for you? Like back in 2018, you're talking about the book, then you, you, you guys write it and put it all together. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge enough project. And yes. then that's it. I mean, that's like, you're writing the book. And then I remember talking to you. Oh, you know what? I lied, yeah. Vanessa. It oh, was what? May, tw- it was May 12th. Still bad enough. <laughs> Still super bad, but it wasn't like right as the confusion. It was like people were sort of getting used to it, but yes, still bad. So how so how was it like the launch in the middle of the pandemic? I mean, Couldn't do your bookstore. I don't know. I don't know that much about how it normally goes. I I don't you know, having worked in publishing, I don't hold a ton of sway into book events. Like I don't know if they sell that many yeah. books. Yeah. But, you know, all my events sort of went virtual. I think the biggest thing was the shutdown of all the indies. I mean, I yeah. this was a book that was supposed to be sort of front table, hand sell, sold. Yeah. And I know a, that affected it. It's and a I really numbers are way down. Book. Yeah, I know numbers are way down across the board. Like yeah. everyone, you know, they're not they can't make any judgments based on how books are doing right now based yeah. because, you know. Yeah. Well, if anyone needs a lovely little book to keep on their bedside table, or it's like, I think little great little gift book. I feel like we haven't been to the name of your book, Get Out of My Head by Meredith Arthur. (laughs) Make sure and and art by Leah Rosenberg. But so it sounds like you're not saying, oh, when I launched my book, I was devastated because of the timing. I mean, it just kind of was what it was is what I'm hearing. I've got to say everything about this entire experience has been a learning for me. I had no clear expectations. I didn't know what to expect in terms of advance. I didn't know what to expect in terms of sales figures. I I didn't know what kind of coverage to expect. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't coming into it with like dashed expectations at all. Which is probably like exactly how to go into anything that's kind of a big helps. deal, right? Yeah, it's like, I think it helps. Yeah, you, you weren't, you weren't, yeah, what, you know, I know Buddhist practice, you know, releasing attachment and uh, it works clearly to yeah. um, not hold super tight to things. Get at the same time, you know, your book is out in the world. And I mean, that's got to be still very special and, and exciting. And, and and how how has that how has it been like has it changed things at all for you yes i think that it's really helped me i jo- i i got a new job so i was at zillow which i loved for we two can't years. keep track of your job i know <laughs> it's impossible i've worked at like every company but about a year a little over a year ago i joined pinterest okay and it was the first time i was working on emotional well-being as part of my job because that's the focus area that you have there. And so that is like the book is it, it's your identity. It's part of it's I, I want to yes. say so basically part of your identity. It, where it versus- has, I think really helped people understand my vision of what I want to work on because now I'm working on exactly the thing I would dream of working on. I'm working with designers, working on the exact kind of project. And so I think the book has really helped people understand me. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Like you've taken the overthinking experience 
and combined it with the all the other skills that you have in content and all the other everything that you've done over the years and you've brought them together it's kind of like a dream i think for some people is That's right. i remember when we first talked about it i guess it was 4 or 5 years ago it was it was a side project it was very much yep. a passion project and yep. now it's like fully ingrained in in it's probably been fully ingrained in who you are but now it shows up like even in the work that you do which is like exciting I, I feel like the luckiest person for that I feel like I feel lucky for you <laughs> that's cool so it sounds like it was all learning experience and I'm kind of curious you know even though it was all learning experience you didn't go into it with a lot of specific expectations. Was there any like one big thing that really leaped out at you that was kind of, you know, specifically related to bringing a book to life that, that you really learned or, or maybe something you would do differently? I learned that the more you can, the more you can both envision what you hope for, but be flexible along the way the better off you are. I mean, there were a lot of uncomfortable moments of sort of bringing something I didn't know what it was really going to be into the world. Yeah. And I, I almost describe it like as a rubber band of like discomfort to excitement, discomfort to excitement. And one of the discomfort areas was, and I still hit this sometimes of, it must be imposter syndrome or something of like, wait, am I, can I, be the person saying this, like what, you know, like but it's around useful. The expertise. Is it, it like the overthinking I, expertise? It doesn't even have or... that much like specificity. It's just a <laughs> feeling of like fear. Yeah. Like, and then it goes away. Yeah. So, so I think what you're saying is experiencing the feelings of fear and the questioning yourself along the way and then continuing to do it all anyway. You just keep showing up like uncomfortable fear, show up, uncomfortable fear. show up, And then like with moments of total excitement and you know, it's the same with building tech tech products. Actually, it's the same with building an app. Like you're, there are days where like the new designs are coming together and the, the, you know, the things you want to the people who are using the app to experience are coming together and it's incredible. And then there are other days where it just feels like an uphill journey of like, is this, is this vision coming together? Yeah. And that all of those things are part of that, that whole process of bringing something to life that you really care about that. And in this case, additionally had particular vision for how it was going to like look and feel like in a tangible way, like how you're going to hold it in your hands. So all those different things along the way, when you're working with what all the different people in the publishing process and all of the, the probably money decisions they had to make about paper quality, I'm making that up, but stuff like that, right? They were amazing about that stuff. They were amazing. <laughs> were I mean, they, they oh, did such great. a great, they did just such a great job of like always trying to go for the best. And compromising if if it didn't look good, but like they, I feel like they invested so much in the book. So they I'm really so shared grateful. your vision, and you pu- published with, I want to say, Running Press. Running Press, yeah, which I is part of, of Pachette. 
known for kind of visual books. I think of them as books and really beautiful photography and stuff like that. So that was, that was probably underlying part of why they were the right, the right fit for you. Timeline, yes, but they got your vision and that's, they got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they sure did. Cause if I could, I, I should have it to hold it up and show you right now, Meredith, my lips. <laughs> but my dream is that when people see it on the shelf, they feel good. And I keep hearing that that's true. That like, oh, you know, I just glanced over at my shelf and I saw it and it made me feel good. I almost want it to be as much a talisman yeah. of like connection and feeling as anything uh-huh. else. Yeah. You want to invoke a feeling even without having to open it up. Like you already know that it makes you, that makes you feel better when you, uh, because you've flipped through it before. I love that. Well, like mine is currently living next to my reading chair downstairs in my living room. And I like looking at it over there too, because it is so cute. Good. Good. Very Very sweet little book. So Love hearing about your book journey. It is slightly unconventional in that you had some people along the way that you knew, but at the same time, you went through all that hard stuff that every (laughs) author goes through and the decision-making and the imposter complex and all that stuff. So anyone who thinks that you having some, you know, having some experience in the book world, I don't think that it doesn't sound like that takes any of that away. I still felt like (laughs) such a novice. I felt like such a novice still. I mean, it, it's a completely different thing when you're on this side of it. And it's a completely different thing when you're, you know, for me, it had had been years, it had been years since I was in publishing. Some things are the same, some things aren't. And, you know, also by working in technology for so long, you kind of expect Mm. certain things like I'm used to having a lot of data about what's happening with the book, you know, and it's, Oh, and different. you weren't getting some of those same things. Yeah. It's yeah. just different. Although, you know, to their credit, Hachette has released a dashboard with sales figures and stuff, which just came out, you know, a few months ago. And I think publishers are starting to yeah. have this where authors can see their sales figures and stuff, but like, well, yeah. I he- And what I hear is that the pandemic has really pushed like a lot of industries that were not really prioritizing things like broadly sharing data to do more of that because as people are like more spread out and yeah. all that, like you just have, you get, just get forced to like, yeah, you gotta have systems that work. Yeah. 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 So you're winning from that. <laughs> okay. Meredith. Well, I love hearing your story and I want to close this out with a couple of questions that I'm going to ask everybody on the podcast. Let's do it. Ready? Okay. From your experience, is there a common myth that people have about publishing or writing that you want to debunk? I thought about this. Thank you for sending this ahead of time so I could chew on it. I think that the, I think a big myth is that getting a book contract means that you've made it. Mm, getting a book contract is just the beginning. Yeah. Like, I love there is that. so much. And there's so much even now that I'm still doing. I mean, I will be trying to talk about this book and, and share this book for many years to come. And, and also thinking about it and, you know, it's, it's just, it's really is just the beginning of the journey. Okay. That's a good one. Now this question applies to both (laughs) probably your writing and your other world of work, but how would your parents describe what you do for a living, Meredith? 
It got a lot clearer, frankly. <laughs> like a few years ago, it was a joke how much, I mean, and not just my parents, nearly everyone in my outside non-tech life was yeah. like, we have no idea. No idea. Doing. Yeah. And on top of that, I had done a bunch of different jobs. I mean, I was a product manager after the time you and I met. I wasn't always content. So yeah. I had like switched around and just even product manager, you know, it's like, what is that? So, but now my parents would say, my mom would say she does something at Pinterest with mental health. Mm-hmm. Plus she has a site and a book about mental health. Oh, so much easier for mom. It got, a lot, it got a lot easier for my mom. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So as much as you love working on mental health at Pinterest, if money were no object, what would you be doing all day long? I mean, the truth is it wouldn't be too different than what I'm doing now. I think I just, I would just have even more confidence in my approach. And I, you know, there's a fearlessness that comes with just never worrying about money, but honestly, I still would want to be working on what I'm working on, but I would have a second bathroom, like the situation in our house. In a tiny Bernal house in San Francisco on top of each other. I mean, the thought of like all of a sudden Virginia Woolf's room of one one's own starts to really make sense in a very different way than she meant it. For her, it was always like, don't make us only make dinner for, for our family. My husband makes all the meals. So for our family, it's more can I just have a bathroom of my own? I just have my own bathroom and, and I'll work on mental health all day long with Pinterest. If I can have my own bathroom and my own projects. I mean, my dream is always to get to just keep doing these creative projects. Yeah. Podcasting, um, working on new book ideas, you know, just, I love this stuff. So yes, working on an app with Pinterest, working on all of these projects, I would just want to keep doing. Yeah. Well, what are you, what, what, is there something you're working on next or that you want to share with us? And you've got your podcast. Um, I do. I have the podcast and I am chewing on some new ideas. One is a children's book that I'm super excited about. And early, early, like three and a half years from now, stages of like, what is the next thing that I really want to be writing about? Yeah. 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 And for now, it's still continuing to talk about Get Out of My Head. So where can folks find the book? the podcast? What's the best way if, if their interest is? Yeah. I think the best way to find all the information is to go to this site that I keep referencing, which is beautiful Voyager. The URL is Bevoya. So it's kind of like the words, beautiful Voyager smushed together. B-E-V-O-Y-A. Okay. And I'll include that in the show notes and I'll link it up to like the podcast and the book. And when you go to the site, you see podcast and really clearly, everything is like getting really clear. I'm excited for seeing how it continues to like get out into the world since it is still pretty new and the new, the new and future projects are also exciting. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I have learned so much from working on this book and I've got to say it, it, it really blows the mind of the possibilities to come. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, for having me. So awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today on She Has a Book in Her. Now head on over to our website at shehasabookinher.com where you can grab your copy of three questions you absolutely must know the answer to before you commit to your book project. And 
be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I would so appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help me out too.